0: Our first reading comes from the book of Galatians. We begin at chapter 3 and verse 23, going on to verse 29. So beginning at verse 23. Before this faith came, we were held prisoners by the law, locked up until faith should be revealed. So the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. Now that faith has come, we are no longer under the supervision of the law. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus, for all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belonged to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. This is the word of the Lord. We read from the Gospel of Luke. In chapter 8... Verses 26 to 39. This is the healing of a demon-possessed man. They sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the evil spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, What is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him, and they begged him repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into them and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus... They found the man from whom the demons had gone out sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed, and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left the man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over the town how much Jesus had done for him. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O
1: Christ. Shall we pray before I begin? Father, thank you for our time here, and we pray now that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts will be acceptable in your sight. Amen. So the passages that we've just heard Jane read to us today both speak to us about freedom. And freedom is a really interesting thing. It's so cherished that many are willing to fight and die for it. And when we're denied our freedom through oppression or illness or merely inconvenience, we really feel it and we long to have it restored. And I think especially those of us who live in the West, for us, freedom is one of our most cherished values. But not everyone feels that way about freedom. Many years ago, about 30 years ago, Tom and I were teaching English at a foreign languages institute in China, and there were people from many different countries teaching there. And we had a friend from Japan named Tetsushi, and Tom was talking to Tetsushi one day about the freedom that Jesus brings. And Tetsushi had a really interesting response. He said, you Americans love freedom. You're always talking about freedom, but we Japanese are afraid of it. For him, freedom meant a lack of security, a lack of control, and that somebody would not be looking out for him. And to him, that was really frightening. And I think that if we're being honest, like Tetsushi, some of us find freedom a little frightening. It can lead us out of the familiar and the secure into a place where we are not quite in control. So both of the passages that we're looking at today speak of the complicated responses that we have to freedom. Both the passage in Galatians and the passage in the Gospel of Luke tell us of prisoners set free by Christ. But as is implied in the Galatians passage and is very clear in the response to the healing of the demon-possessed man in Luke, not everyone is able to embrace that freedom that Jesus brings. Many want to just return to life as they knew it, to the safety and comfort of known rules and regulations, or just the familiarity of a life where though many bad things may happen, at least we know what to expect. For many of those in the land of the Gerasenes, in Luke's story, it was literally a case of better the devil you know. The freedom Jesus calls us to move into is a freedom to move into the unknown and to let go of a way of living whose familiarity and clarity made made us feel secure. But in reality, they hold us prisoner, keeping us from the fullness of life that God desires for us. When we encounter Jesus, he opens the door of our prison, a prison of sin where the law has acted as a kind of prison warden for us and the prison of the power of the evil one. Jesus opens the door and offers us the freedom of a life with God that only belongs to the children of God. And each one of us has to respond to that offer. So through faith in Jesus, we take that first step into that freedom. But it is just a first step, and we have to continue to choose to move in faith and respond in faith to Christ, to that offer of freedom every day, or we return to bondage. The Galatians were Gentiles who had taken that first step of freedom they had put their faith in Christ and had been set free from their prison of sin and become children of God. But now the question was, how do we live as children of God? Well, the Judaizers came along and they were very happy to tell them how to live. They said, yes, you have salvation because of your faith in Christ, but you need to perfect that salvation now by following the law of Moses. They were essentially telling them that they needed to become Jewish to be truly Christian. But Paul reminds them that if the law could have saved them, there would have been no need for Christ. The law was put in charge for a set period of time, sort of like a prison warden. That time was until Christ. The law was in charge until Christ. And if they began to rely on the law for their standing with God, they would be returning to bondage. Instead of bondage to the law, God offers us the freedom of sonship. So I want to read to you what Paul says just after the verses that we heard read today in Galatians. But when the time, when the set time had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship or the full rights of sons. Because you are his sons, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts. The Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are God's child, God has made you also an heir. The freedom that Jesus offers us is about relationship. It is about the freedom and acceptance that children have in their family the freedom to to be in their family and not fear that they're going to be kicked out, and that is something a slave never has. We have been made children of God by the Spirit of his Son who lives in us. The Galatians were being tempted to substitute the works of the law for sonship, a list of measurable do's and don'ts, rather than a living, intimate relationship with their Abba Father. Now I wonder if, like our friend Tetsushi, the Galatians weren't just a little bit afraid of the freedom that they were being offered. If they wanted the safety and security of immeasurable lists of things that they could and couldn't do, even the physical evidence of circumcision to assure them that they were right with God. And I wonder if we're not sometimes the same, wanting to rely on external things, maybe our spiritual habits and routines or the goodness of our everyday lives to assure us that things between us and God are really all right rather than living in an intimate relationship with our Father. And I wonder why we do that. Why do we so want someone just to tell us what to do to have a good relationship with God? Now, I'm not saying that there aren't things that we should be doing because there are, and I am a big believer in spiritual disciplines as Um, Important and helpful in our life of faith, but we do not rely on them for our access to God. John Ortberg compares spiritual disciplines to a sailboat, and the disciplines are like the sail, and the Holy Spirit is like the wind. We can put up the sail, but if the wind doesn't blow, we're not going to go anywhere. All we can do is wait for the wind to blow. Or we can get out our oars and row our own boat. And sometimes I think that that is the easiest thing to do. We're tempted to just get out our oars and row our own boat. And I wonder why that is. We may get somewhere in our own strength, but we will not go where the Holy Spirit wanted us to go as quickly as he would have taken us. And I wonder why we're so often content to row our own boat. Are we afraid of where the Spirit of God might lead us? That we might lose some of our security and comfort. That we, may, we might be called to change. The older I get, the more I need God's grace to challenge this fear of change, this desire for security. I never want to look back on my life and say, this was when I stopped. This was when I decided to play it safe. This was when I substituted my comfortable Christian life for the freedom and adventure of walking with the living God because I was too afraid of where it might, what might lie ahead. In his letter to the Romans, Paul says, those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. Because we know the love and power and absolute goodness of the Father whose children we are, we can walk in the freedom of sonship without fear. Now, our passage that we looked at in Luke is also a story of the freedom that Christ brings and of differing responses to that freedom. So this story is set among a series of stories in Luke that are telling about Jesus' authority over sin, over death, over illness, over nature, and now over the forces of, of, of demonic forces. And I love this story in Luke. It's actually one of my favorite stories in the life of Jesus. And many people are surprised when they hear me say that because what is there to love in this story? Legions of demons? Pigs? Living among the tombs? It's really a, quite a terrible story. But what I love about this story is that this is such an example of Jesus' tender mercy, his tender mercy toward this poor, horribly outcast man. I just want you to take a moment to imagine the wretchedness of this man. Naked among the tombs, filthy, outcast, and so strong that he was able to break shackles on his hands and feet. I know how terrified I would have been at this man, how I would have tried to avoid him at all costs. Imagine how tormented and lonely his life must have been. But Jesus saw beyond his shocking and horrifying exterior to the man who was imprisoned inside, and he set him free. Now, I have to admit that this story raises a lot of questions for me. Why did Jesus bargain with demons? Why did he let them have what they wanted to go into the pigs? Did they die when the pigs died in the water? We just don't know. There really aren't any answers to these questions. And another question I have is, was this man a Gentile? This was a Gentile region, hence the pig farm, and... When, when Jesus heals him, he tells him to go back to where he came from and tell others about what God had done for them. And in the Jewish regions, Jesus didn't do that. He, he did not want people to tell who he was or what he had been doing because they didn't understand yet what his Messiahship meant. And so in the Jewish regions, they had to keep quiet. But here Jesus sends this man to go and to proclaim what he had done. And I wonder if this is an example, like the story of the Samaritan woman at the well, of Jesus Jesus entrusting the message of his salvation to an outcast, an outsider. I think it may have been. The man who was freed from the demons responded to Jesus with love and devotion. He begged Jesus to take him with him. But not everyone responded this way. Luke tells us that when those who were tending the pigs saw what happened, they ran off and they reported it through the town and in the villages. And then all of the people from the town and the villages came out to see what had happened. So we know that some time has passed and, that, uh, in, and in the story we see that enough time has passed for this man to be clothed, and I imagine probably cleaned up a bit. And when they all run back to find him, they see him clothed in his right mind and sitting at Jesus's feet. Sitting at Jesus's feet is another way of saying that he was being taught by Jesus. Now I wonder what Jesus was telling him. Was he telling him about the Father's love? His love for him? The kingdom of God? We aren't told what he said, but it was enough. It was enough for this man to take home with him and to tell others. I'm sure he didn't wonder what he was going to say. But what about all of those people who came out there to see what had happened to the pigs? How did they respond to the one who had set this man free? Luke tells us that when they saw the man dressed in his right mind and sitting at Jesus' feet, they were overcome with fear. And they asked Jesus to leave. Now, some of this may have had to do with the economic loss of the pigs. But Luke tells us that the fear was in response to seeing that man healed. And that when they were told how Jesus had healed him, they asked Jesus to go. They were so afraid of Jesus' power that they didn't think about his goodness They never thought about the freedom that Jesus had just brought to this man or what he might have been able to do for them. They just wanted Jesus to leave so that they could have their old lives back. But not the man Jesus had healed. He wants to be with Jesus. He's willing to go anywhere with Jesus to leave it all behind. But Jesus tells him, return home and tell how much God has done for you. And I think this is another beautiful example of Jesus' tender mercy. How long has this man been estranged from his family and from his community? He's been away so long and now he's willing to go away again. But Jesus sends him home, restored with a message of restoration and to be restored to his family and his community. Were you surprised that Jesus sent him home? Sometimes I think we're afraid that if we tell Jesus we'll follow him anywhere, he is going to send us to some far and scary place when maybe all he is asking us to do is go home and tell what God has done for us. Go home and tell your family what God has done for you. Go home, tell your friends and your neighbors what God has done for you. We all have a story to tell of what God has done for us. Our freedom may not be as stark as the demon-possessed man's, but we have all been set free from bondage to sin and from bondage to trying to do all the right things to be accepted by God. We are children of God because of what Christ has done for us, because we are in Christ. What does it mean to you to be God's beloved child, to be able to call God your Abba Father? Live in the freedom that brings the freedom of a child who is loved and accepted because of who he or she is, not for what they have done, a child who has access to all the good things of God's house, especially, and above all, access to God our Father. God has set us free. So live in the freedom and go and tell how much God has done for you. Amen.